Welcome to the Battle Cry Podcast with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. You can watch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Convention of States Facebook and Rumble channels. Hey everyone, happy Sunday night. I am Mark Meckler and this is the Battle Cry and I'm so glad you're with me. I appreciate you being here. Hey, make sure you click that you like this and spread it around to friends and family, whatever platform you're using, let them know we're here. We're talking about Convention of States. We're talking about all the news that affects America, hopefully giving you a little bit of a different slice Sunday night, start your week a little bit early, invite everybody. And every week, as you know, I do a call to action, something that I want you to do, uh, an attitude adjustment, literally maybe something physically for you to do. This week, there is something specific I want you to do, and that is, I think you should watch Ben Shapiro's new invasion on the southern border. And Shapiro is a rock star. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later on. But he's done an incredible service to America by going down to the border and doing a documentary. One of the things I loved about it, just to to give you kind of a teaser, is everybody's done a lot on the Texas border. You went to the Arizona border. You think the Texas border is bad, and it is. I live here in Texas. Arizona border is literally wide open. There's just no enforcement going on down there. The things that Ben will show you are incredible. I watched the first episode. You should watch it. I think the second episode has just come out. Watch that one too. Uh, Ben Shapiro's uh, Invasion on the Southern Border. I think you go to Daily Wire to watch that. No, I'm not getting paid to promote this. This is just shilling for Ben because I think he's done something great and I think everybody needs to have the details on what's going on down there. I want to open by talking about the border, what's going on in the border, especially in Texas, because I'm here. That seems to be the thing that's most in the media right now is sort of the standoff, the fight between Texas, Governor Abbott and President Biden. And there's something, a couple of things that are really important about this that I want you to know. Number one, no, there's not a civil war. (laughs) Nobody's firing on anybody. This isn't federal troops versus state troops. This isn't the Texas State Guard versus Customs and Border Patrol. What this is, is a standoff over a legal issue, and it's a standoff in the courts. And right now, in my opinion, Texas is winning that standoff. There's a place called Shelby Park in Eagle Pass. Eagle Pass is one of the main congregating points for illegal immigrants coming across the border. And what happened was in Shelby Pass, I'm sorry, in Shelby Park, this is this park in Eagle Pass, The illegal immigrants were congregating in this park. This turned into a processing center for CBP, uh, Customs and Border Patrol. And what happened was Texas, Governor Abbott, ordered our Texas law enforcement, DPS, Department of Public Safety, to go in there and secure the park and get rid of Border Patrol. And that happened. And that created what was called the standoff. They invited Border Patrol to come in and remove their equipment. But they were no longer allowed into this roughly... Uh, 1.7 mile stretch along the river. This is a congregating point for illegal immigrants and a processing point for CBP. So they weren't going to let this be a magnet anymore. And they started putting up razor wire. They started putting up cargo containers along the shore of the Rio Grande. And it literally stopped everything. There's no illegal immigration coming across at that point anymore. Now, remember, it's 1.7 miles, 47 acres along the Rio Grande, the the border itself in Texas, roughly, I think, 1,200 miles, maybe a little bit more. And so it's not stopping a lot of illegal immigration. This is symbolic. And I don't love that, right? I would say I wish there were a lot more being secured, but I think Governor Abbott is doing this incrementally. And so what happened was then the CBP came in, started cutting razor wire, right? So they were cutting the razor wire and Texas moved the courts to stop that. Ultimately, the Fifth Circuit 
stopped it, put an injunction in place, a temporary, not even a temporary injunction. This is a preliminary injunction, like immediate kind of stuff that went up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court just said, no, we're going to lift that injunction. They didn't say anything else. They didn't say Texas couldn't put up razor wire. They didn't say Texas couldn't replace razor wire. They didn't say Texas couldn't keep the CBP from interfering there and cutting razor wire. So we're kind of back to the status quo. And what's happened is they're not cutting razor wire anymore. And Texas is continuing to install border barrier. And this is going to take it a while to work its way through the courts. Uh, the Fifth Circuit remanded to the trial court and told them to build up a better factual record, more facts of what's going on on the ground. That's going to happen. And so I think the injunction is going to be upheld and turned into what we call a preliminary injunction. That then will make its way up through the appeals process. So I think there are months to go unless the Supreme Court intervenes on an emergency basis. And I really don't expect that. I think they're going to try to let the state and the feds work this out on their own uh, without intervening. That tends to be the nature of the Supreme Court, especially under John Roberts. He's trying to preserve what he calls institutional integrity. I think he sacrifices the integrity of the institution a lot when he does that. That's kind of his approach. So that's what I expect to see. So I just want you guys to keep an eye on this. I think this is really important. Uh, there's other stuff going on here. Uh, there's a quote unquote border rally that took place this week uh, that finished up on February 3rd. This was a, a drive from around the country. I think this has been a lot smaller than some people expected. I didn't end up participating that in that. And it's not that I was opposed to what good natured and, and well-meaning folks were doing. I just think that when your opponent or your enemy in this case is doing stupid things, which I think the Biden administration is doing stupid things and they're damaging our country. And when public opinion has turned against them, which it has dramatically, almost 70% of people blame Biden for the crisis on the border. Don't step in and give them anything to change the narrative. Like you just don't get in there and do that. Don't give them an opportunity for a false flag operation. Just step back, hands up, let them do what they're doing because the American people are pissed off about this. And this is the first step in the process towards real reform, towards actually securing our borders is the American people know what's going on and they're getting agitated about it. They don't like it. They don't like what Joe Biden's doing. They don't like what he's done. They don't like what Democrats are doing. They don't like what they've done. And so I think we're on the precipice of seeing everything move in the right direction, public opinion first, and then we'll see the policies follow. So I like that. And this is, by the way, not just a U.S. problem. I think sometimes we are very geocentric. We think of the U.S. as the only country out there. It's the main country we should care about. But you should know if you're a person who understands politics, that geopolitics play a role. And this same kind of stuff is going on in Europe right now. Right now, you have Poland locking down the border with Slovakia and other countries as well, because Slovakia has turned into a transit point from Serbia. And Serbia is a transit point for North Africa and for radicalized Muslims coming across through Serbia into Slovakia, into Poland, Germany, and a bunch of other countries. And a bunch of other countries, but most recently Poland, have put up major border enforcement, major border security. Now, by the way, these are countries that abide by the UN Declaration on Borders, which basically says they have no borders. And they're throwing up borders, and they're throwing up razor wire, and they're throwing up checkpoints because they understand that they can't continue to exist with unfettered migration from populations that are hostile to their culture and their interests. So it's not just in the US this is happening, it's happening all over the world. Take a look at what's going on in Poland right now. Now, on the border, it's hard to talk about almost anything else but the border right now. 
I saw this week that immigration officials actually met with, they sat down with an organization who is purposefully trying to abolish ICE. I mean, this is what they do. The organization is called the Detention Watch Network. Uh, and this story was from the Free Beacon, one of the places I get my news from. Previous story, by the way, from US News and World Report. Free Beacon says that immigration officials met with an abolish ICE organization. Now, this is an organization that is so radical that they fund groups that go out and attack ICE detention centers, right? And so they are antithetical to United States law. They are antithetical to securing our border. What is ICE doing meeting with these guys? And they said that they meet with all stakeholders. How are people who don't want the United States following their own laws, who don't want us having a secure border, how are they stakeholders in this process? In, in an organization, ICE stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Enforcement! not non-enforcement, not ignore the law, enforcement. And so they just shouldn't be meeting with these people. This is an organization that is anti-US, anti-enforcement of our borders, and I should not under any circumstances meet with them. I'm hoping this is something that will be addressed under the next administration. I doubt you'll see the same kind of stuff if you get a Republican administration. All right, there are a lot of things going on in the world that have nothing to do with borders and a lot of stuff that I think you should pay attention to uh, stuff that affect us, especially here in the United States, stuff that is sort of insidiously going on in the background, stuff that probably if I told you this two years ago or four years ago, six years ago, you would have thought of were conspiracy theories, but these are not conspiracies. These are real things that are going on and you should pay attention to them. I know a lot of our grassroots are. A lot of this stuff came to me because our grassroots brought this stuff to me and I just feel like you should know about it. So here's, I'm going to go through pretty quickly some things that I think you should be watching on subsequent broadcasts, subsequent uh, Facebook Lives, and subsequent battle cries, I'll go into some of this stuff in more detail, but I wanna hit some of it quickly right now. First is the energy supply. Right now, we have a power grid that is so fragile, it is absolutely more fragile than China's. Uh, it is absolutely more fragile than other countries that are hostile to us. Other countries have been investing, Russia and China, in the in the hardness, as so it's called, of their power grid, and we've not. It's easy to knock out our power grid. We get a lot of major supplies for our power grid from China, a hostile adversary. We have some of these gigantic multi-million dollar transformers that if knocked out, we order them from China. The lead time is already a year and a half to two years. What happens if they decide to sabotage that power grid? It's gonna be very hard for us to bring it back up and this is super, super important. If you didn't see Tucker Carlson's interview with Dennis Quaid, I highly recommend that. Uh, Quaid is making a new movie, a, a documentary about uh, the grid going down and how easy it is to take out our grid and what we need to do about it to fix it. By the way, it's not that hard to fix it. In the scheme of things and the amount of money that it would take to fix it is relatively small. I say relatively, I mean relatively, it's a lot of money, $100 billion roughly. But if you think about everything that we spend money on, all the money we waste, hardening our power grid should be a thing. Look, we, we saw this here in Texas a couple of years ago. We had a deep freeze here in Texas. Uh, we rely way too much now on wind power and sun power. There was no wind, there was no sun, and our grid went down. It sucked wind, so to speak. We were without power for days. In, in our case, our pool equipment froze, our well equipment froze. A lot of damage was done all across state, and we really haven't done anything since then 
in Texas to harden our grid. Same is true nationally. We need to start paying attention to this. You should pay attention to this. Tied to this is the war on U.S. energy. A lot of stories about this, as you know. You should know President Biden just shut down liquid natural gas, LNG, exportation. This damages our industry dramatically. I think part of it is intended to be punishment to Texas, right? Texas standing against the federal government, Texas in the number one exporter of liquid natural gas. So that's going to hurt Texas. Number two, by the way, and I think this is interesting, is Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania right now, a swing state. And I think Joe Biden damages his electoral opportunity there by punishing the industry there in Pennsylvania. Most Pennsylvanians support this industry. Makes a lot of money for Pennsylvania. Even Pennsylvania's governor, has, who is a Democrat, has been relatively supportive of their fossil fuels industry. So this is damaging American industry. If you look at what California has done, here's another place where they really damaged it. It's estimated that the shale fields under California's Central Valley contain more oil than Texas. It's one of the largest reserves in the world, and yet California's oil production has decreased by 50% over the last 30 years. There used to be five major oil companies headquartered in California. The only one left is Chevron, and Chevron has shuttered a lot of its operations, moved a lot of its operations out of the state. I'm sure they'll be gone before too long. So there is a war on U.S. energy, specifically on fossil fuels, especially that war is going on and it's being conducted by state governments, blue state governments, and also our federal government. So watch that. Uh, next is the water supply and control of water. I mean, you got to ask yourself in California why, while the population has dramatically increased, they've not increased any water storage or water supply. It's really outrageous. In fact, they've reduced their water storage and water supply. And we watched a long drought there hurt a lot of people in California, especially the farmers. Farmers get deprived of their water uh, in in deference to supposedly endangered fish, the Delta smelt, I don't even believe it's endangered. And I don't, I don't believe the water supply should be diverted from farmers who feed America, even if that's a fact. So we've got this war on water. We've got them trying to classify ponds on your property as the U.S. water supply. Federal government wants to control your water. Why? Because if they control your water, they control you, right? He who controls the water controls everything. Our food supply, our sanitation, everything is controlled by your water supply, and they want to take control of your entire water supply. Related to this is the food supply. We've seen an attack on our food supply in the United States of America. The U.S., you may not know this, is no longer food independent. In other words, we don't produce the majority of our food in America anymore. Um, the majority of sheep production has been sent outside of our country into Mexico. All of our avocados, or the great majority, are now produced in Mexico. When you do those things, by the way, anything produced in Mexico now, anything, is controlled by the cartels. When you buy avocados, most likely they come from Mexico, and most likely you are enriching the cartels. When you buy sheep, any products that come off of sheep, you are most likely buying cartel products, and you are enriching the cartels, we as a country. And this is based on the policies the Joe Biden government, the United States government, not just under Biden, but over the long haul. Uh, this is NAFTA and a whole bunch of other trade agreements that have shipped our businesses overseas. And so we have to go back to food independence. This is a really bad problem. We've got these giant agricultural conglomerates taking over all of our farmland. They're not loyal to you. They're not loyal to the United States. Uh, they're doing kinds of farming that is very damaging to local interests. And they're doing this and they are controlled by and working in cahoots with the federal government. What are they trying to do? 
this is crazy. I know it sounds like conspiracy theory. They want you to eat the bugs. They want you to eat plant products. They're trying to move you off of meat. And this is tied into the next subject, which is not just corporate food production, but these giant food companies, even beef companies are trying to move you to fake meat, to lab produced meat. I'll tell you, I'm not doing that. I am not going to eat this weirdly genetically grown meat. We'll stick with local grass-fed beef. I recommend you support your local growers, support your local ranchers, support your local farmers, buy your stuff from them to the extent that you can. Go to farmer's markets. You know, this sounds like the old days, the hippie days, right? The crunchy granola days. Go to your farmer's market and buy your local yogurt or whatever. Yeah, that's where I come from now. It's for a different reason. I mean, part of it is I think a lot of this stuff is better for your health, but a big part of it is we need to have local food supplies because we can't let the federal government and even the state governments control our food supplies. There's also something called 30 by 30. If you're not familiar with this, you ought to look it up. It's saying that the government should control 30% of all the land mass in the United States of America by 2030. This is outrageous. Uh, and they're getting close to this, by the way. They do it through a number of means. If you go to American Stewards for Liberty, look up this organization, americanstewardsforliberty.org, I believe is their website. You can see there uh, everything that is going on in this 30 by 30 plan, all the different ways that they're working to take over all the land in the United States of America. They say 30%. I know they're shooting realistically for at least 50%. That means they intend to take away your property rights, not just your private property rights, but they intend to take away your ability to use land owned by the federal government and trust for all of us. They want to lock it all down and make sure you can't use it. This is radical, crazy environmentalism. This is total status control. We have to push back against that. The government wants to control everything about you, your water, your land, your private property rights, your food, all of it, your agriculture. We need to push back. We push back by knowing about these things. And I know I didn't do a deep dive on any of those things. That's a lot of subject matter. There are places you can go look that stuff up and we'll cover those deeper on future battle cries, I promise you. All right, I tried to tell you in the last few weeks to be of good cheer, right? There is good stuff going on. There are victories happening. We are winning in a lot of places in the culture war. The tide is turning. I really believe that. You want evidence of that? Something incredible happened this week, something I never thought I would say. The king of conservative media right now, Ben Shapiro, doing so much incredible work. And this week, he actually ended up having, and still does, the number one rap video in the United States of America. Check out a segment from that video. Let's look at the stats. I've got the facts. My money like Lizzo, my pockets are fat. Homie, I'm epic. Don't be a whap. Dog, it's a yarmulke. Homie, no cap. Look at the graphs. Look at my charts. You're blowing money on strippers and cars. You go into prison. I'm on television. Dogs, no one knows who you are. Keep hating on me on the internet. My comment section all woke Karens. And I make racks off compound interest. Y'all live with your parents. Nikki, take some notes. I just did this for fun. All my people download this. Let's get a billboard number one. Uh, so good. So good. You just got to enjoy that, right? You just got to love it and know that this is important in the culture, even though it's super funny, right? And and Ben is laughing about this. And he had a little tweet war going on with a rapper by the name of Nicki Minaj. I wouldn't recognize any of her songs. I saw a picture of her. I wouldn't want to recognize any of her songs. I just thought it's funny that she's acknowledging it, that this guy has never, obviously never done a rap song. He's doing this rap song with a rapper by the name of Tom McDonald. If you watch Tom McDonald, he's terrifying looking, tattoos on the face, full grill, meaning silver on all his teeth. 
dreadlocks, partially shaved head. He's a scary looking dude. Used to be an alcoholic, used to do drugs. He's a straight guy at this point, a, a conservative Christian guy. And he's there talking about rap and how, what he's saying in the song is, we're not going to pollute your kids. We're not going to rap about evil things, guns and crime and hookers and all that stuff. Uh, and so it's, it is <laughs> as funny as it is, it's also wholesome and just hilarious. That is literally the number one iTunes song in the world. And I recommend you go check it out. If you download it on iTunes, uh, possibly we'll get them up to number one on the billboard charts. The music industry hates this. Uh, ben did a great interview with Tom McDonald this week where he talked about, McDonald talked about efforts to suppress the song. His publisher, which is an independent publisher, wouldn't release the song. He had to do it even independently of his independent publisher. Uh, there's just a lot of attempts to suppress this song. It's number one by every metric out there, and they won't let it be number one on Billboard right now, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But that's great news. It's great news when a guy like Ben Shapiro making a joke video can inject himself into mainstream culture as the number one rapper in America. And Shapiro now jokingly refers to himself as the number one rapper in America. He thinks it's hilarious. He doesn't even like rap music. He is a classically trained violinist, by the way, 15 years of violin training, and he's a pretty good violinist from what I hear. It's just impressive that we're making these kind of strides in the culture. All right, I want to move over to other good news, which is all the stuff going on all over the country in the legislatures. And I'm going to open up a document here so I can look at all this stuff going on for you. We've got stuff going on in the Ohio legislature, in the Iowa legislature. We've got stuff going on in Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and Missouri. So details, Iowa House subcommittee hearing on our COS resolution at uh, 9 a.m. Rick Santorum Center. Rick Santorum will be there testifying. February 6th, I've got Mike Ferris in Ohio. He'll be there talking to legislators, working with grassroots. I think that's awesome. February 6th in Tennessee, and this is something you guys might not know that Convention of States does. Each of our states is involved in things other than the Convention of States resolution. And that's why we say it's more than just a convention. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be testifying on SB 620, the Family Rights and Responsibilities Act, which is a parental rights act. Uh, ADF, this is an ADF Alliance Defending Freedom Model Bill. Our team is supporting that as part of our federalism, uh, fundamental rights, and freedom legislation, the F3 legislation. So again, this is uh, Tennessee Senate Judiciary Committee on SB 620. Go Tennessee team. So we're doing this stuff all over the country all the time. Then we do these events called surge events. And this is where citizens gather at the Capitol, get materials, go out and lobby their legislators. If you've never done that before, I highly recommend you give it a try. It's really fun. It's really empowering. Get to be with your COS family. And you also get to meet legislators. And I think it's really important for you to realize you can go to your legislature and you could talk to legislators. So February 6th, we're gathering in Oklahoma. February 6th, we're gathering in Wisconsin. February 7th, we're gathering in Missouri and a lot more. I'm looking at the list going on throughout the rest of the month. I'm going to be out on the road, not next week, but the following week. I'll be in Florida, February 20th. Uh, Florida's having a rally. It's, it's our 10th anniversary of passing in Florida. Pretty excited about February 20th. So if you're from Florida, make sure you get there and we can hang out together. I'm going to do a little bit of Q&A here because that's always my favorite part because you guys are way smarter than me. Uh, so this is the Ask Mark Anything segment. And I actually want you to understand, it really is Ask Mark Anything. Like if you want to know what's on the bookshelf or what, why Winston's always bothering me, 
he's right here bothering me. You guys haven't been able to see, but he's been pawing at me. If you want to know why he always does that or why we named him Winston, you might be able to guess, or why he's such a little pest or why Levi's always sleeping back there. I'll answer any of that stuff. All right, Dan Mullins asks, where are we at with Convention Estates? We're way further than halfway. Everybody said we could never get a few states. We're at 19 states. I think we're going to hit Kansas. There's a litigation going on in Kansas to certify. Our application has already passed that. It would be number 20. North Carolina, we've already passed the House. We're just pending in the Senate. That would be 21. I think Iowa, Ohio look great. I think all of a sudden Wyoming looks alive this year. Uh, there's a lot of possibility out there. So we could get to 23 states maybe this year, maybe 24 states. So we are in motion. You are in motion all over the country. I love that. Michael Yao asks, what happens when a COS really takes place? Well, here's what happens, Michael. The states gather. There are three subject matters they can discuss. Anything that would impose term limits on electeds, so that's Congress and any other federal officials, so the bureaucrats and the staffers, what you and I know as the deep state. They talk about that. They talk about imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government, so that can include a balanced budget amendment. Uh, it could include tax caps and spending caps. It can, can include doing away with unfunded mandates. How about imposing generally accepted accounting principles on the federal government, since they seem to have no principles right now? Uh, those are the kinds of things that could be discussed. When 26 states agree, then that proposed amendment, just a suggestion, goes out to the states for ratification. And then it takes 38 states or three quarters of the states to ratify an amendment. So that's what happens when a COS uh, uh, actual convention takes place. All right, just before we close, I want to remind you, tune in for the Iowa House subcommittee hearing on the Convention of States Article 5 resolution. That's Tuesday at 9 a.m. You'll see public testimony from Rick Santorum, and more importantly than Rick, I love Rick, but a bunch of you, a bunch of our incredible Iowa activists will be there. COS Live will bring you that footage Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Go to www.conventionofstates.com forward slash COS Live. Again, forward slash COS Live. Tuesday, 9 a.m. Eastern time to watch the Iowa testimony. I think you'll find it really interesting. I think you'll be excited to see citizen activists in action in a legislature making a difference. Either a B square. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next Sunday on the Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Visit conventionofstates.com/pod to learn more. Thank you for listening. <laughs>